Yo, what's going on, everybody? I am your host, Armand Lee. So, of course, this is the Quarterly Report. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. It's the holiday edition of the episode, I suppose, as we're just a few days away from Christmas or Kwanzaa or if you're Jewish, Hanukkah, whatever the case may be. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying the holiday season. We've got a really fun show this week. My homeboy, Brian Jackson, is making his triumphant return. Of course, he and I are going to be debating all types of sports topics, so you're not going to want to miss that. Plus, spoiler alert for all you Star Wars fans, I will be giving you my opinion on The Last Jedi. I saw it this past Sunday with my whole family. It was kind of fun to experience it, right? But my uh, critique, if you will, of the movie is coming in the fourth quarter. So I will be giving you a spoiler alert, right? You want to see the movie? You don't want to know anything that happens in it? I'm not going to be going crazy you know telling you plot lines and all this other stuff but you know there may be some things that pop out as i'm giving you my uh i guess my criticism not of the movie but the entire star wars kind of project right so the fourth quarter i will be talking star wars spoiler alert if you don't want to know don't listen to the fourth quarter until you've seen the movie all right cool without further ado let's get it going with our number one topic first quarter i feel like every other week now i'm doing a story on just how insane the NFL is. (laughs) And I don't want you guys to think like I'm running out of material and I'm just being lazy. I'm really not. I just find it so interesting. And this week, like I I honestly thought after last week, and last week we had a fan attempting to charge into the stands, right? (laughs) So I thought after last week, like the NFL was all crazy out. They were all crazied out. Like they had nothing left to give. Like, you know, when you, where you're younger, you had like the fighting games at the arcade and like your health bar was down. You just had nothing left. That's what I thought the NFL was. I thought they were completely tapped out of crazy. And then here they go this weekend. And they they took crazy to a whole nother atmosphere. Right. They have now. They have now become so insane that it has become like an attribute this weekend. The NFL's insanity has helped them. And I will paint this picture. Case in point, right? This weekend, Jerry Richardson, the owner of the Carolina Panthers. (laughs) And it's not funny, but it kind of is. Jerry Richardson, there is a report, right? Just a report, mind you, that comes out, I guess, when was it? Saturday, Saturday evening, maybe? Alleging that he has um, been something of a sexual predator, right? And has made racial remarks, racist remarks. And he has settled many of these cases out of court. Uh, There's a non-disclosure agreement. And um, there's several of these. And now, apparently, you know, people have are starting to... Some of these stories are coming to light. And... Saturday, it was just kind of addressing that Jerry Richardson has some issues. Some of the issues that were reported in this um, or that were brought to light in this report. Apparently, Friday is gene day for the Panthers, right? And the um, the staff, not necessarily the players, obviously, but the staff uh, for the for the organization. So 
it became like commonplace that Jerry Richardson would come up to women wearing jeans and tell them to turn around so he could look at their, you know, their backside. And then he would ask, ask the women to show them how they wiggle to get in the pants. Seriously, like this was part of the report. Apparently, he uh, has shaved some women's legs before. And y'all got to check it out yourself. It's crazy, right? Now, this was just a report, mind you, okay? There's no person has come out uh, in front of the camera, at least, to personally uh, charge him or accuse him of this. Again, he apparently he has several um, cases that have been uh, settled. But usually when people are accused of something, you know, they fight it. But Mr. Richardson, he was quick with the Roberto Duran. No mas. Because what, Sunday, Sunday, Monday morning, he was like, nah, bro, I don't want no parts of this. I'm selling the team. Now, it is important because I'm going to get to the larger point in a little bit, right? But it's important to understand these men, wealthy, older men who own teams, they don't just give them away. There's only, in the NFL, there are only 32 teams, right? And in the NBA, we just saw a handful of years ago that with Donald Sterling, he fought tooth and nail. Think about this. Donald Sterling had already been, he had one of the largest settlements in American history about his housing practices, right? You know, he was slumlord. He wasn't uh, giving homes to minorities, people of color, obviously. And he settled in one of the largest settlements in American history. He still has the Clippers. Baron Davis, and we view Baron Davis a lot differently now than when he was in his playing days. But Baron Davis used to be one of the best players in the league. Baron Davis came on the record saying that Donald, while he was playing, mind you, not when he retired, saying that Donald Sterling would bring women into the locker room making racial statements. And while Baron Davis was doing like the layup line and warm-up drills before games, Sterling, sitting courtside, would make insensitive remarks about Baron Davis and other players for the Clippers, the team he owns. So the players who are playing for his team, he would make comments in a public fashion about them. And yet he still kept his team. He kept his team up until the time he made a racist comment about Magic Johnson. <laughs> Magic Johnson, obviously, if y'all listen to a sports podcast, you don't. I don't have to tell you. Magic Johnson is one of the three most influential people in the NBA, period, right? And I don't think it'll ever change. Mike, Magic, Larry, right? Those are, that's the trinity of the NBA. I'm not saying that they're the three greatest basketball players of all time, but I don't think anyone will ever be able to have more import like have a more a play a significant role in the league than those three guys, and I, and I don't even think that's controversial. You know what I mean? So Donald Sterling is on is being recorded making a phone call to his mistress, making racist racist statements about blacks and Magic Johnson, and even then, Donald Sterling fought. And you know what? Let me take a real quick detour because. During this fight Donald Sterling had, he gave us one of the most amazing quotes of all time. And I can't take credit for this. True story. 
I had never heard this quote until about a year ago, and I'm listening to Dan Levertar's radio show. Side note, Dan Levertar, in my opinion, has the best sports radio show ever, period, right? I don't hear this sound if it's not for Dan Levertar. So you're going to, I'm going to play the sound that Donald Sterling says about his entire controversy with Magic Johnson, okay? This is PR, mind you. He is on this interview with Anderson Cooper to clean up his mess, and this is what he says. I promise you. This is a real live quote. Donald Sterling, Anderson Cooper. This is not a comedian. You can YouTube it if you want. This is not me trying to be funny. This is a real live quote. Donald Sterling, Anderson Cooper. What has he done? Can you tell me? Big Magic Johnson. What has he done? Well, yes, he he's a business person. He, he's uh, got AIDS. <laughs> Yo, that dude. Think about this, okay? Like I said, you have... One of the largest settlements on housing dis, uh, discrimination ever. You have made racist comments about players for your organization, and both in private in the locker room and on the basketball court before games. Elgin Baylor was your GM, and he said you were racist. And did, that wasn't enough for you to, you know, give your job away or sell your team. Then you call out Magic Johnson, and did you say that on national television to clean it up? <laughs> again, yo. Again, I got. I can't take credit for that. Work cited, man. That Dan Levertar show is was how I found that sound. So I can't take credit for that. But that is hilarious. But I play that to illustrate these powerful, wealthy, older men. They don't give their teams away. They fight for them. They go down for the fight. Donald Sterling bought the Clippers for like. A million dollars or a million and a half dollars. He flipped that into multiple billions with the B dollars when they sold that team. But he didn't want to sell it because the money didn't mean anything to him. It was the power. So think about this. Donald Sterling, with all that, was willing to fight tooth and nail to keep his team. What dirt must they have on Jerry Richardson for him to be like, you know what? I'm done. I don't want no parts of this. Think about that. I just played you sound of Donald Sterling going on CNN, making a bigger fool of himself, trying to fight for his team. Right? Even though the team was going to make him more wealthy than he can even imagine. But he was willing to fight. And now Jerry Richardson, just off of one report, one report, he's like, nah, bro, I don't want no parts of this. Think about what he this is, this is extremely reckless. But think about what he had to do. You feel me? And they had they hadn't even touched the surface, let alone scratched the surface. They just looked at the joint. He's like, hey, never mind. Here's my team. Take it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yo, this guy, Lord only knows what Jerry Richardson must have done. Jerry Richardson is the same owner who had built, who built a statue of himself in front of Bank of America Stadium. He's that guy, but he's willing to sell the team at the mere mention of alleged, you know, misconduct. Oh, my God. Oh, think about Roger Goodell Saturday, right? If you're Roger Goodell. You're like, you know what? <sighs> the season's almost over. It's been a long season. I'm the playoffs almost here. I'm about to go on vacation. Man, I'm on cruise control, right? He's thinking everything is made. And then his assistant walks in the door on Saturday, like, uh, excuse me, commissioner, 
I got some news you got you got to want to see. It's like, okay, what is it? Turn on the television and it's Carolina Panthers owner, Jerry Richardson. And at that moment, just when they say his name, Carolina Panthers owner, Roger Goodell thinking to himself, son of a bitch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He had to know at that moment, just hearing his name, that Richardson was in some mess. But this is how chaotic the NFL is. And this is how chaos has almost helped the NFL. Right? Jerry Richardson, in this climate where we, we've got, you know, time persons of the year are the, the women who, who uh, courageously called out Hollywood and all other types of, you know, workplace environments in which women are treated and sexually harassed or treated improperly and men have been like sexual predators to all these women. This is the, we're in the climate of the Me Too hashtag, right? Jerry Richardson is accused of blatant sexual misconduct, blatant sexual harassment, amongst other things. And then on Monday, all anyone is talking about is what is a catch and what is a fumble? And why are we using paper cards to measure first downs? Like the NFL has become so chaotic that it has helped them. You know what I mean? Think about that. Roger Goodell probably, or Saturday, it's like, how can this year get any worse? Sunday night, he's dancing to the heavens. Like, thank God we made this stupid catch rule that nobody knows what's a catch now because nobody's going to talk about one of our 32 owners being a sexual deviant and pos reportedly, right, reportedly a sexual predator and reportedly a racist. No one talks that he's just wanting to sell off the team. Donald Sterling is fighting for decades after being a slumlord. Fighting for decades after making racial comments to his own players in the locker rooms and on the floor before games. And then it calls Magic Johnson. <laughs> and he fights to the end. Jerry Richardson, just off of one report, is willing to give up the goose. Like, nah, bro, y'all got it. But nobody talks about it because of a catch. Because no one knows what a catch is anymore. Because the NFL is literally finding out first downs with paper cards. Think about this, man. If you misplace your iPhone, you can have your iPad and do the, the iPhone finder. You can talk on the phone in your car. You can take a picture with your telephone, then make a video, edit on the joint, and then send it to websites that other people can view it on. And you mean to tell me the NFL can't put a chip in the in, in, on the football or in the football that when it crosses the goal line or when it crosses the first down line, it just sends off a sensor that, okay, that was the first down? We're still measuring things with a paper card? 2000, it's about to be 2018. <laughs> but in this circumstance, we accept it. Like, the, the foolishness of the NFL has worked in Roger Goodell's and the league's favor this week because no one's talking about Jerry Richardson. We're talking about the Cowboys, right? David Carr or Derek Carr, excuse me, one of the Carr brothers, hell, y'all know what I'm trying to say, fumbling right as he's about to cross the end zone and should it be a touchback or not? Or the Steelers being robbed because everybody thinks it's a catch. It looks like a catch, but because the the ball moved a little bit when he landed, it's ruled incomplete. 
Chaos has become so synonymous with the NFL that it is working to its advantage. I, I don't know how we got to that point, but I know the happiest person, the happiest person in the world that we have made it to this point has to be Roger Goodell, right? Because where Adam Silver turned the Donald Sterling situation into like his, I mean, Adam Silver is like, respected like almost no commissioner is think of Gary Bettman you know uh Manford in in baseball he's still relatively new so it's kind of tough and the Goodell's hated so Bettman and Goodell are hated in the NHL and NFL respectively Adam Silver is beloved and the reason is because early on in his tenure he got Donald Sterling out of here even though he made Donald Sterling so much money <laughs> so much money but Adam Silver was able to flip that into, um, you know, into a, 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 a monument, right? A mountain of goodwill. He was able to flip that into a mountain of goodwill. Roger Goodell is just trying to make it, right? He's just glad that no one's talking about it. He's not trying to get goodwill. He's just trying to survive. <laughs> and that's crazy when you think of it. But that's where we are, and that's how the NFL – well, I shouldn't say that's how the NFL is going to end 2017 because we still got one – we still got a few weekends left. You know, I thought they were all crazied out last weekend. Clearly, I was wrong. Hopefully, you guys don't feel wrong by listening to me. I appreciate you guys checking out the quarterly report, man. This is episode 36. It's been a great year. I appreciate the love and the feedback. If you haven't been able to reach out to me and you would like to – Make sure you get in contact with us on several different ways, several different platforms. You can email us. We're at quarterlyreport at gmail.com, or you can tweet at the show, quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. We're on Twitter, and we're now on Instagram as well, putting out a whole bunch of different stuff on Instagram, whether it's snippets from the show, some sound that maybe not doesn't make the show with our interviews, or a, a little project that I'm putting together, you know, the NBA wire comparisons, man. A lot of you guys have enjoyed that. I appreciate the love, man. I love both the NBA and the wire so much. I'm comparing players from the NBA with characters from the wire. I like to call it my wire NBA mix. There's about 11 of them up right now. We'll be 12 and 13 within the next week. So check those out, man. I love making them so far. We've got some really good um, feedback from them. The Instagram account is quarterly report. So make sure you check us out there as well. All right, guys, that's the first quarter. We're going to keep things moving, heading to the hardwood now with our second topic this week. Second. Quarter. Another big story that happened this week was Kobe Bryant um, having not one, but two numbers retired uh, by the Los Angeles Lakers. And I mean, how Kobe is that, right? Of course, Kobe would have two numbers retired by one of the most store. It's not like the Lakers are, you know, the, you know, Orlando Magic or, the, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the Charlotte Hornets where they don't have, a, you know, a long list of great players. The Lakers have a, a, a long storied history of a, not just good, not just great. We're talking legendary players for the Lakers and Kobe had two numbers retired. I mean, think about it. If that's not the most Kobe thing ever, 
and I get it. You know what I'm saying? He had he played essentially half his career as number eight, half of his at 24. So there is a bit like you know which number best represents Kobe, and I'll get to that later on in this program when my guest Brian Jackson comes on. But I just found that funny. But ultimately, Kobe Bryant, obviously one of the greatest players of all time, a significant player in this post Jordan era. Um, he he deserved to be retired, and the Lakers did a, an amazing job and an amazing ceremony. But when it comes to Kobe, uh, and and many of you probably already know where I'm going with this, Kobe Bryant is depending on my surrounding, right? Depending on my company, Kobe Bryant is either extremely underrated, or not underrated, but one of the best players of all time, you know, or he's the most overrated player in the history of the NBA. <laughs> I'm being dead serious. Depending on who I'm around, Kobe and Kobe's like the only actually no. Iverson is like that as well. But even the Island Iverson fans, like the biggest Iverson fans, they don't view AI as like a top ten player, maybe even a top five. Kobe fans, like the people who love Kobe, it's like a cult. Like, and I'm not. I, this is no shade. This is not me hating. It's just kind of trying to describe the stark contrast because the people who hate Kobe, they hate Kobe. Like they loathe Kobe. I've got a buddy of mine, former coworker, one of the smartest minds, Mike Lynch, shout out to Mike Lynch. One of the smartest basketball basketball minds that I know. Um, He actually uh, contributed to Shea Serrano's uh, basketball and other things, the book that he just put out, uh, my guy, Mike Lynch. uh, So shout out to him. But he's from Philly, and he has, like, almost a, a, visual, a visual, physical reaction when you, when you even give the slightest compliment to Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? So there are people who loathe Kobe. But then there are the Kobe fans who, like, meet me at, what was it, Temecula or whatever. Obama's ready to scrap. Like, for real. And we all know Laker fans, and man, Laker fans can be the most annoying group of people. The way Stephen A. Smith feels about Cowboy fans, I feel about Laker fans. And I got a few partners of mine who love the Lakers. And they're crazy. Like, sick of fans, man. Like, you say one thing about Kobe, and this is World War Three. You know? So it's funny that they're – and even the people who hate Kobe, you have to – you. At some point, deep down, you have to realize he is a great player. He is one of the game's best. Now, I don't think he's a top 10 player. I don't think he's a top 10 player. But I absolutely think he's one of the game's best players. And more importantly, and this is kind of where I want to kind of set the tone of this quarter, is that many times, and I'm a culprit of this, you know, make no mistake, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I'm talking generally, but specifically looking at myself when we evaluate anything but for me nba we're so data driven you know you guys already know if you listen to the show i follow analytics you know wins produced per 48 is my metric of choice but i use a lot of them right i subscribe to the advanced statistics you know what i'm saying and we get so caught up in that sometimes and i'm not saying it's a bad thing you know to properly evaluate a player, I think it's a useful tool to use analytics, okay? But as a fan, okay, that's not really the end-all, be-all. You know, I, I just, 
I just love the NBA so much. I spend, I devote so much energy. I like to do that. It's something that pleases me. But ultimately, as a fan, you know, it's about fun. You know, I'm talking to you all. You are listening to me talk about sports. Not because it's a chore. You know, I'm not, I'm not recording this because I have to. I'm not recording this because it's pulling teeth or I'm going to be in trouble if I don't. I'm recording it because I enjoy it. And hopefully you all enjoy listening to me. And, you know, if you're in your car, you argue with me while you listen to something that you disagree with or you uh, you you hear something that you like. And maybe you you bring that to a debate or a conversation that you have with your partners at the shop or at, at the holiday party or whatever. But I think myself and others lose track about lose track of. The fact that all of this is just for fun. And I bring that up to say, Kobe Bryant was one of the most fun athletes I can remember. Now, I'm not talking about any of the off-the-court stuff, the Colorado thing, or, you know, him snitching on Shaq. None of that, okay? I'm, I'm leave that. That has been played out. Some people believe him. Some people don't. I will leave that to you, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about on the floor. And when it was on the floor... Despite that Kobe, Kobe loved to shoot. Despite the fact that Kobe ran Shaq out of L.A. The whole nine. Kobe was fun. Okay? So I'll put it to you like this. I think Tim Duncan is the greatest player of his generation. Okay? And that includes the Kobe, the Shaq, all those guys, the KG, the Dirk. Timmy is by far, I think it's, I think it's actually disrespectful when people compare Kobe to Tim Duncan because I think Timmy was so much better than Kobe. However, however, as a fan, I'm not going to lie. If the Spurs are playing the Rockets on Monday and the Rockets are playing the Lakers on Friday, I'm watching, I'm more excited to watch the Lakers Rockets game uh, over the Spurs Rockets game. And most of the reason is because I wanted to see Kobe and Forget about field goal percentages. Forget about wins produced. Forget about PERs or win shares or effective field goal attrition, whatever. All that stuff. Because all that stuff matters in some context, right? But ultimately, who do you want to watch? Who do you enjoy watching? Who do you enjoy talking about? Who do you enjoy seeing? Who would you spend your money on? And I think it overwhelmingly is Kobe. And that's not a knock on Timmy. Because, again, I think Timmy is better than Kobe. But... The fact that Kobe can ignite that type of that passion, right? That that devotion. I mean, pe people who love Kobe love Kobe. It's again, it's a cult, and it's not just because he won. Because a lot of guys win. It's not just because you know he came out of high school. A lot of guys came out. Of, it's something about him, right? It's something about Kobe. Likewise, it's something about AI. We all know AI's flaws. We all know he wasn't efficient. But there was something about AI that makes people love him. And that matters. It's hard to quantify. You know, you can't put a metric by it. You know, fun. The, the, the make, you know, people enjoying watching someone play. It's hard to, to quantify. It's almost impossible to. But it matters. And it matters so much that when I hear people say Kobe's a top 10 player, I disagree. I disagree vehemently, but I get it. And I'm not mad because, man, for me growing up, 
I can't think of players. I can't think of anybody in that era before, like the LeBron. And LeBron may be the only guy post Jordan that I would say I I wanted to watch them play more than Kobe. You know, and that again, who cares about the? I mean, I'm not gonna say who cares about field goal percentages, but yeah, field goal percentage matters. You know, true shooting percentages matter. All those things matter, just like rings matter, but not to the degree that many people want it to matter, at least in my opinion. But you know what matters most? And I think, unfortunately, it gets overlooked. How much do you enjoy it? Does this person make you love the game? And man, there's nobody, nobody, even Kobe's biggest haters can argue that. Because if you hate Kobe, guess what? He is bringing out a, a certain amount of passion out of you. And that hate, that vitriol can't survive. It can't live without some type of love. Whether you love to hate him or you love to cheer for him, there are not that many guys who can do that. Right? Dirk is, a, Dirk is one of the best players of, of all time. How many people hate Dirk? You know, maybe if, you, if you're a Heat fan, but I don't even think Heat fans hate Dirk. Right? Dirk is great. This is not a, a knock on Dirk, just like Timmy. Duncan is one of the best players of all time. I think he's one of the top five or six players ever. But he didn't ignite that passion. Unless you're a Spurs fan, obviously he did. Whereas Kobe, whether you are a Knicks fan, a Sixers fan, a Rockets fan, Spurs fan, Thunder, Bulls, no matter who, no matter what team you root for, you felt something for Kobe. And that is so important. It's it can't be understated. And when you're talking about someone's greatness, and when you're talking about where someone ranks all time. I mean, you gotta you gotta factor that stuff in. You got to, in my opinion. So, you know, Kobe got two numbers retired by one of the greatest organizations in North American sports, and yeah, it's a bit much. But Kobe's career was a bit much. It was a lot, but man, I swear it was a lot of fun. It was a whole lot of fun. All right, guys, you heard the horn. That is the halftime. I had to, you know, pay my respects to Kobe. And, you know, me being a Virginia boy, you know, I do AI in there. Because, you know what, you know what, let me, let me, before we get to halftime, before we move on to stoppage time, I want to say this. Because there are a lot of things about Kobe that's interesting. I could do a whole show on Kobe. Have you guys noticed? And, yes, I'm a Knicks fan. I have a Celtics bias. You guys have probably picked this up by now. I talked about Bill Simmons last week. I'm going to talk about Celtics fans again this week. You notice how Celtics fans mainly, but people who hate Kobe, no matter what team they root for, they would always talk about how Kobe was overrated. And Kobe, all he does is shoot and this, that, and the third and, and, and take their time to, to rip Kobe, right? Celtics fans, I'm talking about specifically. Now, this year, they're the main ones talking about Kyrie Irving as an MVP. <laughs> right? And look, I like Kyrie. This is not hate on Kyrie. I like what the Celtics are doing. I may not like the organization, but I salute them. I'm jealous because they have rebuilt on the fly and they still have pieces to do to continue to do that. So I love what the Celtics are doing. But man, come on, the hypocrisy. You can't tell me Kobe, all he does is shoot and how he's overrated. And now talk to me about Kyrie Irving being an MVP candidate. All Kyrie does is shoot. And that's fine. Kyrie is ill. Again, I'm not hating Kyrie. But man, Celtics fans, shut the hell up. God damn, man. Alabama's blow me with that. 
Because no matter how good Kyrie is, and Kyrie is, a, he is super fun. Just like I was just talking about Kobe and how Kobe was fun. Kyrie is fun. How many players in the league right now are more fun just to watch than Kyrie? Not saying he's better. Kyrie Irving is not better than James Harden. Kyrie Irving is not better than Kawhi Leonard or Anthony Davis. But who would you rather watch play? Right? Kyrie is fun. You understand? But he ain't Kobe. Chill out, bro. Chill out. So if you've ever told someone, tweeted someone, text, email, anything in your entire lifespan that Kobe was overrated, and at the same time now currently think Kyrie Irving is an MVP, slap yourself so hard in the face for me, for humanity. Do it. Do it. <laughs> All right, y'all. So that was my little rant. So, you know, that's like that's quarter 2.1. You understand? 2.2. But I'm going to keep things moving. Stoppage time is going to be the last stoppage time of, I guess, 2017. Well, they got one email this week, but... Man, this this one touched me near and dear. This is this is this one is real close. This is from Jamal from the Bronx. BX, what's up? Anyway, he's a Nick fan, so shout out to him. I know you cool. But he says, you know, speaking of, you know, we just talked about Kobe getting his number retired. This past weekend, Carmelo Anthony made his return to New York. So Jamal says, Armand, I know you're a Nick fan. How did you feel about Melo, his return to the garden? He got a video presentation. Did you like it? I'm glad that the Knicks fans didn't boo him. Love the show. Peace. All right, so Jamal, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, you're a Knicks fan. You bleed orange and blue like myself, so, you know, you you, you cool with me, bro. Um, as far as Melo's return, I, I'm not big on telling fans how they should feel. Actually, that's not true. I am. <laughs> but only in, like, I don't think I don't think fans should boo a player if they leave. Like you actually you know what fans do what you want. Honestly. Like sometimes it gets overboard. When you start burning jerseys and calling players names and trying to run the field, like that stuff is stupid. But in terms of booing and cheering, you pay money, you can do whatever you want. With Melo, that's a tricky situation, man. Like I'm I'm not I'm not gonna say I'm I'm happy he wasn't booed. But I'm not sad he was cheered. You know what I mean? It didn't bother me one way or the other. But as a Knicks fan, I don't like how national media or other people try to influence the narrative, right? If you wanted to boo Melo, I would have completely understood it. Because unfortunately, people forget. Like, yeah, Melo went through a lot of mess. And last year with Phil was crazy. And he didn't deserve that. that was, Phil was a dickhead last year. You know what I mean? So I have no problem with uh, Melo wanting to leave the Knicks. And I had no problem with people rightfully bringing up the point that the Knicks, as an organization, they're a circus, right? You can't be a fan of that team and not understand how much of a just um, a cluster you-know-what the entire team is. However, let's not act like Carmelo was, you know, he has no culpability in terms of why the Knicks struggled during his tenure. You know, he he demanded a trade. Now, again, I'm not mad at Melo for actually. I, I don't even know why I brought that up because it's not Carmelo Anthony's fault that the Knicks traded all their young pieces to get him. It's not Melo's fault. The team was dumb enough to do that, so I blame that on the team. I don't even blame Melo for that. 
Just like I don't blame Melo for Phil Jackson giving giving him that huge contract with the no trade clause. That's not Melo's fault. Melo could ask for it. That doesn't mean the team has to give it to him. Phil should have traded Melo. Should have traded Melo. I can blame Carmelo, however, for running Mike D'Antoni out of town. Mike D'Antoni, and I'm not even the biggest Mike D'Antoni fan, but Mike D'Antoni was the best head coach the Knicks had since Jeff Van Gundy. Van Gundy's last year in New York was like 0-1. So like in over a decade, that's the best head coach that team has had. And you ran him out of town because you didn't want to run the offense that, hello, is now one of the best offenses of all time. Like Melo isn't James Harden. Obviously, Harden is a much better much better at facilitating and creating. But look at what the Rockets are running now. Or last year because they didn't have Chris Paul last year. That was the same offense that D'Antoni wanted Melo to run in New York. But Melo didn't want to do it. Mike D'Antoni wanted Carmelo Anthony to play power forward. Same with Mike Woodson. It was clear Carmelo Anthony in this new space and pace NBA with three-point shooting in the whole nine. That his body, he was best suited to play a power forward position. Melo didn't want to do it. What position is Carmelo Anthony playing now? You know? And look at Carmelo Anthony's playoff performances. The years we, we went to the playoffs in New York, he didn't play well. So, if you wanted to boo him for those reasons, I don't have a problem with that. You know? Again, it's not Melo's fault that we traded the whole team for him. It's not Melo's fault that we gave him so much money. It's not Melo's fault that we gave him a no-trade clause. But it is Melo's fault that he ran Mike D'Antoni out of town. It is Melo's fault that he didn't play well in the playoffs. So if you want to boo him for that, go ahead. And the fact that we gave Carmelo Anthony a video tribute? Get the hell out of here, man. A video tribute? Slim. He was there for like six, seven years. A tribute of what? I, I tweeted this as it happened because it, 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 I couldn't believe that we gave him a video tribute. And the video tribute literally consisted of uh, his 67-point game or 62-point game, I believe, and then the game against the Bulls on Easter Day where he had a, a, a big game winner and we had a comeback against uh, the Bulls. That was it. Like, that was literally the entire video tribute. It consisted of those two moments. So, like, if... If you're going to give someone a video tribute and it's that easy to cut or edit, it probably means that person's not worthy of a tribute. You know what I mean? And that's no disrespect to Melo. I got no problem with Melo. You know, I'm not the biggest fan because I just don't like his game, but I got no problem with him. I, I hope he plays well in OKC. He's not. <laughs> but, you know, I, I got no, I, got, I don't hate that man. But. I couldn't believe the organization gave him a video tribute for what? So, so what we're going to give Tyson Chandler a video tribute. And you know what? Now that I think about it, this is the perfect segue to halftime this week. Video tributes, because if Carmelo Anthony could get a video tribute by shooting 43% in the postseason, get into the playoffs three times and then contributing, not being the main reason, but contributing to being a circus in New York City. Well, here's a list of other guys who deserve a video tribute as well. Take a listen. Before we welcome in the visiting Cleveland Cavaliers, please join us as we take a moment 
to pay tribute to a former Chicago Bull great, Cal Cor Cal Corver. What? You mean to tell me we doing a video tribute to Cal Corver? Are you serious, Cal? What do you think we are, the Knicks? Why would we pay tribute to Cal Corver? Yeah, he made an All-Star team, but he didn't do anything. Cal Corver, man, get the f out of here. Cal, bring your old Ashton Kutcher ass on. So yeah, Cal Corver and Carmelo Anthony. It's not really an apples to apples comparison, but you get the point, right? Obviously, if the Bulls wanted to do a video tribute to Derrick Rose, that's different. Derrick Rose is from Chicago. Derrick Rose won an MVP. Derrick Rose led the Bulls to a conference championship, right? So Derrick Rose is a former number one overall pick. Like he's from the whole nine. It's different. But think of it like this. Um, the Lakers, back when Eddie Jones was traded to Miami, right, for Shaquille O'Neal. They didn't give a video tribute to Eddie Jones. And Eddie Jones was a really good player. Multiple-time All-Star. I remember I'm watching NBA TV last weekend because they, they were broadcasting the, the Knicks Thunder game. And Rip Hamilton is like, he's, on, he's doing the, you know, the, the pregame show. And he's talking about how he didn't get a video tribute when he went back to Detroit. Rip won a championship. He was a multiple-time All-Star. You know, <laughs> so, you know, Gilbert Arenas, I live outside of D.C. Gilbert meant more, and look, we all know how it ended in D.C. It was ugly, but that was all off-the-court stuff, right? Gilbert meant more to the Wizards than Carmelo did to the Knicks. The Wizards didn't give Gilbert a video tribute when he was in Orlando. You understand what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> where's the bar at? You just you just gotta have a you know a, a a big name, have your own signature shoe, and a beautiful wife, and that's it. Then then you get a, a video tribute. Dang, I, oh, I was there's a lot to disappoint Nick fans. I I've been disappointed countless number of times being a Nick fan. I ain't gonna lie, and I I'm not even a mellow hater. I'm not gonna lie, they blew me with that joint. I'm like Slim. Last year y'all kicking Charles Oakley out the arena. Charles Oakley's like my favorite Nick ever. Y'all kicking him out the arena, but we giving Carmelo a video tribute? <sighs> Bruh. All right, let's, let me stop right now because the rest of this show could easily be me complaining about the Knicks. So I know y'all don't want to hear that. So we're going to keep it moving. All right? That was halftime. Hopefully you enjoyed it, but we're going to keep the show moving. Bringing in my special guest this week, my guy, the very first guest ever on the podcast. He's making his second appearance. He's returning to the show. As we close out the year, my guy, Brian Jackson. Third quarter. I have known this man for over 10 years. He was the show's very first guest. It's my guy. He is the sports anchor for WJX-TV in Jacksonville. My man, Brian Jackson. B-Jax, what's going on, man? Good to hear from you, man. Glad to be a part of the show, man. Oh, man. You you part of the show's DNA for real. We're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> but, um... You cover the Jaguars, you know, down in Jacksonville for WJX TV. Um, you've been doing so for a few years now. But I got to ask you, man, as someone who doesn't know much about the team, okay, I got to be honest, they are the biggest surprise to me, probably the biggest surprise in the league at what they've done 
this season. Um, so I got two questions for you. Number one, how surprised are you, someone who knows this team, knows the players, knows the entire culture down in Jacksonville? How surprised are you that the Jags are playing this well? And number two, now that they're going to the playoffs, uh, how for real is this team? Meaning, is this team a legitimate threat to not just make an appearance, but to actually get on a run for a potential Super Bowl berth? Well, I'll be completely honest in saying, I don't think that there's, and if there's anybody in this world that told you that the Jaguars are going to win more than seven or eight games this year, they're lying. <laughs> like, no, nobody nobody saw this coming whatsoever. I mean, you got to think about going into the third preseason game of the year, they benched Blake Bortles. Right. Like, he, they were like, okay, we're going to go with Chad Henney. Like, that's how bad things were then. <laughs> and now, you know, a couple of months later, we're talking about over the last three weeks of the season, Blake Bortles has the highest QBR in the entire league. <laughs> like, like, that's not a misprint. That's I mean, crazy. this team is just really, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen a situation where every single free agent that you bring in has exceeded expectations. Like, Clayus Campbell, they brought in, paid him a lot of money. He might be the defensive player of the year. Brought in A.J. Boye, he's a pro bowler. Brought in Barry right. Church, he's making plays. Uh, the rookies are making plays. Leonard Fournette, he's still top five in the NFL in rushing. It's like every single move that they've made uh, from last season to this season has worked. I mean, this is a scary, scary football team. I really feel like I don't know that there's an offense out there that's going to just score. Like, I don't think anybody's going to put 21 on them at all. So I feel like if Blake doesn't turn the ball over, number one, right. um, I feel like they can beat anybody. And that's including Brady. I mean, they already – beat the mess out of Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh, so we've already right. seen what they can do to them. I feel like they can go anywhere. Because, I mean, when you've got a defense, it doesn't really matter where you play. Cause, I mean, you've got A.J. Boye on one side, you got Jalen Ramsey on the other side. Good luck right. trying, to, <laughs> trying to get open against those guys. And then you've got a bunch of beasts along the defensive line. Clayus Campbell has 14 and a half sacks. Yannick Ngakwe got robbed of the Pro Bowl. Didn't make it, but he's already got 11 sacks. I mean, Malik Jackson on the inside, he's got eight sacks. They just don't really have any weaknesses on this defense. I really feel like the sky is the limit, man. I, I mean, if the Jaguars made it to the Super Bowl, I know that sounds crazy, even saying that. Like, it wouldn't be a shock to me. Like, I really feel like they can go that far. I feel like they'll win at least one game, and I don't know if they're going to beat Brady because we don't know of any weaknesses, but we're more mere mortals, and Brady <laughs> always finds something. <laughs> man, you ain't lying about that. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my partner, man. I've known this guy for over a decade, Brian Jackson. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at WJXTBJackson. He's been in Jacksonville covering the Jaguars all season long. So as they make their playoff run, and you're not too familiar with the team, you're going to want to make sure you check out his timeline, check out what he has to say about not only the Jaguars, but everything. He's, got a, he's a really fun follow. But now that we got the pleasantries out the way, you understand? You know, Brian, before he was big time, you know, on television and whatnot, he was, he was around the D.C. area with yours truly. And like I said, I've known Brian for over a decade, and we had a bootleg internet show called Pick and Roll. And the entire idea of Pick and Roll was Brian and I basically arguing about sports topics because I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Brian and I practically always disagree, no matter the topic. So I felt like, you know, 
let's try to revive pick and roll for a brief second with this interview. So we're going to do three topics, okay? Two NBA topics, one entertainment. And Brian and I will debate or argue our side. And we haven't discussed these topics, so we don't know where each of us stands on uh, one way or the other. So those are the rules. Let's get it going with the first, uh, the number one topic, the first topic. And it's going to be Kobe Bryant. You guys heard me talk about Kobe early in the show. So, Brian, the question to you is, which Kobe was better, number eight or number 24? This one is tough, man. Um, I mean, you can't go wrong. I mean, number eight, Kobe had three rings. Number 24, Kobe had two. So, I mean, you know me, how I kind of base everything off of winning. But I'm going to throw a curveball out Understatement there. of the year. Understatement <laughs> of the year. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always judging people on winning. But on those first three championships, I think we can agree that Kobe was the the B to Shaq's A. But on those last two, I mean, Kobe was the man. And, I mean, at, when he was number 24, I feel like his game just evolved a lot more. Obviously, you know, Michael Jordan is my favorite player of all time. And, yeah, people have tried to, com- uh, to compare LeBron to Michael Jordan. No, that'll never happen. But Kobe is an actual true comparison. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the Instagram video where they have, like, every single move where they have them next to each other, whether it's, like, right. they're pulling on their shorts where they're bending over or sticking out their tongue or, you know, a reverse layup. Everything right. that man did was just like Mike. And I feel like it's just a very, very slight edge to Kobe at 24 just because he, he developed the mid-range game. Um, believe it or not, he was actually a little bit more efficient at 24 than he was <laughs> at 8 because – yeah, I know. I know you love your efficiency as well. Um, so I got to give the slight edge to number 24, Kobe, because I just feel like by that point he was just a stone-cold killer, even though he did uh, score 81 when he was still a number eight, I believe. You're right. You know, Kobe was a little bit more efficient with 24. He was uh, more measured. And I think I heard Kobe say this, um, but if he hasn't, I'm sure it's true. Uh, I feel like those second, those last two rings – those last two championships, uh, it took its toll. It, they were harder, obviously. But I also feel that he's more proud of those two, if that makes any sense. Um, however, I'm going to have to disagree with you, naturally. And I'm going to have to go with eight, man. Like, all that being said about Kobe as, like, the the elder statesman of the league and the, the calm, measured Kobe with 24, man, Kobe, number eight, was fun. He came in the league, man. I was a fan of Eddie Jones. I talked about Eddie a little bit earlier in the show. Kobe came in the league and roughed Eddie Jones' spot. Eddie Jones was an all-star. He took Eddie Jones' soul, man. Like, just yanked it from the bottom, you know? And Kobe was a killer. Kobe was so much fun with eight. You know what I mean? Number eight was so much fun. I remember the Pacers uh, final series where, you know, Shaq fouled out in one of those earlier games and Kobe had to put the team on his back. So, yeah, although he was, like, the Robin to Shaq's Batman. I mean, who wasn't going to be? Shaq was a monster, right, at that point of his career. And then, of course, Kobe dropped 81 points. You know what I'm saying? So, to me, I get the 24. I get the two championships, the two finals MVPs. He won his only MVP at 24. But, man, coming out of high school, uh, at that point, it was only KG who had done it to that level. And just how funny was, it was fun. Kobe's doing 360 dunks in games. He went head-to-head with Michael Jordan in the All-Star game. I mean, man, number eight Kobe, I'll always, always cherish those years, man, because it was so much fun. 
All right, y'all, that's the first topic of the revival of Pick and Roll. I'm joined by my guest this week, Brian Jackson. He's a sports anchor for WJX-TV down in Jacksonville. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at WJXTBJackson for all your Jaguars news and updates and everything else because my guy B-Jax definitely knows his sports. So we're going to move to our second topic, staying on the hardwood. Before Brian got big time, you know, he was up in, like I said, in the D.C. area. And, you know, in this area, the, the debate has been for years now, who's the better point guard, John Wall or Kyrie Irving? But for this topic, we're going to expand, you know, the options to the entire Eastern Conference. And the question to you, Brian, is who's the best point guard in the entire conference, the entire Eastern Conference? Who's the best point guard? It's still John Wall. And I don't think it's close at this point. I mean, Kyrie, he's balling this year, don't get me wrong. But to me, Kyrie, he's the best. He could arguably be the best scorer in the league right now. He may be fun to watch when he's got the ball in his hand. But to me, he still only really gets it done on one side of the floor. Like, there's no reason that. Kyrie should have the ball as much as he does and only average like four or five assists a game. Don't 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 quote me on those because I haven't looked up those stats, but that just fits my argument. Nah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> I feel like I feel like John gets it done on both sides of the floor. Um, he was almost leading the NBA in assists. I mean, he's improved his three-point shot. When he wants to, he can D up on that side of the ball. He's probably the second best guard I've ever seen at like the chase down block or just getting blocks outside of Dwayne Wade. Right. I mean, he does that as well. I mean, he single-handedly made Bradley Beal's career. <laughs> to be <laughs> although, although Brad has been doing just been... on his own now, but earlier in his career, right. Dom is the real reason why most people even had a lot of hope in Brad. So I feel like it's easily John. Because he's, he's had to be the one to carry a team. We're going to see if Kyrie can do that. Because up until this year, Kyrie's team's never won more than 30 games a year. And right. when you got LeBron, I mean, obviously you're playing with the best player in the world. Obviously you're going to do a lot better. And he kind of really did find a role as kind of the closer for them. But we'll be able to see. I'm just hoping and praying that we get to see a Wizards versus Celtics matchup in the playoffs this year. That's that's what I want to see in the East more than anything. Right. So I'm with you in terms of John being better than Kyrie. Um, I think – the problem with John, at least this year, okay, because I'm talking about as a snapshot, not a career award. Um, John has been good this season, don't get me wrong, but he hasn't been as good as, you know, what we've come to expect from John. Now, he's been hurt. He's just coming back from an injury. But even before, you know, he was uh, too aggressive at times offensively. Uh, defensively, it doesn't seem like he's always been engaged. Um, so, I do think John is better than Kyrie. I've always felt that way. However, when it comes to best point guard in the Eastern Conference right now, and I know I'm going to surprise some of y'all, I got to go with the boy, the young bull, Ben Simmons. Now, before y'all say anything, let me let me, let me get my point out, okay? Markel Fultz has only played like a handful of games. So, Ben Simmons is actually running point guard for the Sixers this season. And... Yes, I know it's only his first year on the floor, his second year uh, being in the NBA. But when you see him, man, he this dude is a mutant. He's like 6'10", 6'11", with bet, great court vision. You talked about Kyrie not being a passer. Ben has this 
and, and Lonzo has it. LeBron has it. This the ability to see the floor. He gets so many his teammates such easy buckets, and he can't shoot. But John can't shoot like that for real. And if it's just a shooting argument, right, then Kyrie would win. If we we're just talking about who's the best shooter. So despite the fact that Ben's game is still raw and he still needs to, you know, be seasoned, man, this dude, he's not, he's not human, Joe. He's not of this planet. And yeah, maybe, you know, I'm jumping the gun a little bit, right? Maybe, maybe I'm, uh, this is me just kind of looking into the future and projecting what Ben Simmons is. But right now, if I had to pick anybody, any point guard, right, right now to, to be my starter, I'm taking Ben because he's a killer. He's going to be a problem for years to come. I think he can be better than your boy Giannis. I do too. I do too. And, you know, yeah, so maybe, you know, I'm a little eager to 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 anoint Ben Simmons. But you know what? We can't agree. You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's not the show. That's not what we do. It wouldn't be the show if we agreed, right? <laughs> Once again, guys, I'm joined by my people, good dude, Brian Jackson. He is a sports anchor for WJX-TV down in Jacksonville. Knows the Jaguars have been covering them for a few years now, so he knows them all too well as they make this playoff run, this improbable run. But we're finishing up our uh, pick and roll revival, if you will, where we are debating three topics. So far, Brian and I haven't agreed on a single topic yet, so let's see if we can do so with our last topic, and it's going to be outside of the sports realm, okay? Uh, 2017 is almost up. It's been a pretty pretty big year for music, I would say. Uh, a lot of heavy hitters dropped albums this year. So I'm going to ask you, Brian, what, in your opinion, has been the best album of 2017? I'm going to come from way out of left field with this one. You're not expecting this one at all, man. But I've always loved his music, even going back to the early to mid-2000s, man. I'm going with Rick Ross. Man, Rick Ross brought it, man, on this Rather You Than Me. Like, I felt like it was mm. the old Rick Ross from, like, back in 2008-ish, 2010-ish. Like, I mean, his beats were, were crazy on there. Uh, he's also, he's always featured the best R&B guys. Like, whenever Rick Ross has a song with Raphael Sadiq or John Legend, like, it's jamming. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, that's one of those albums that I just kind of put on and, and just press play and just let it ride. And you can't really do that for a lot of rap albums these days to be completely honest, but that's one that I was just digging from the moment I heard it the first time, and I just love that track. I just love the whole entire album from front to back. I probably listen to it at least uh, once or twice a month or so. So, you know, Ross's album is a uh, is a good choice. Incorrect, but a good choice. <laughs> so, for my choice, it's tough. Um, a mutual friend of both of ours, shout out to our guy, Keith McIntosh, about three weeks ago, um, so I don't know when this album came out, but he was like, yo, man, y'all got to check out Sci High the Prince's joint, uh, No Dope on Sunday. So I didn't, I don't know when that came out. I listened to it, you know, following that conversation. And man, that joint rock. Like, had, I've only listened to it for three weeks. And for me, you know, I like to listen to, you know, when I listen to a project, I like to let it sit. And, you know, I like to come back to it maybe a month or two months later to see if I still like it, if anything has grown on me, if I'm catching new lyrics or anything like that. So honorable mention goes to Side High the Prince because I can't say that it's been the album of the year after only listening to it for three weeks. But I want to because that joint rock. 
Like, I love that joint. But honorable mention to Side High the Prince. I'm going to have to go with SZA, man. You know, she dropped her joint, and that kind of carried the whole year for real. Like, that joint is super dope, man. I, I, I've enjoyed that. It's grown on me. I liked it when I first heard it, but then it grew on me. You know what I mean? So, for me, SZA, she gets the album of the year for 2017 with a strong, strong honorable mention to the boy Sahai. Well, that's another uh, pick and roll episode in the books. And of course, I won. Clean sweep. <laughs> now I'll just play it. I'll play it. Again, guys, this is my guy. I've known him for over a decade. Brian Jackson, man. Super good dude. Knows the sports as well. Awesome follow on Twitter. So make sure you check him out. He's at WJXTBJackson on Twitter. He is the sports anchor for WJXTV down in Jacksonville. If you're not familiar with the Jaguars, if you're curious about how good this team is, just how strong their defense is, you're going to want to make sure you follow B-Jax because he's got all that stuff covered for Jacksonville's, you know, hopefully for them, a long postseason run. Brian, you already know what time it is. You're my man. Again, we go back, way back. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of the Quarterly Report. Keep doing your thing, bro. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that's three quarters down. We got one quarter left. Again, spoiler alert for all you Star Wars fans. I'm going to be giving my thoughts on the entire franchise and also The Last Jedi. It's our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. So, again, like I said, spoiler alert. I am going to give you my opinion on Star Wars, including, I I don't know if a review is the right way to put it, but my thoughts on The Last Jedi. So, this is the last one I'm going to give you. If you have not seen the movie or you do not want to know what happens or any type of spoilers when it comes to the newest Star Wars movie, Last Jedi, turn off the podcast now and listen to the rest of it to see if you agree once you do watch the movie. Okay? So three, two, one. All right. Man, that joint sucked. <laughs> Man, that joint was some shit. Bro, I was so mad. Look. Full disclosure, all right? I'm not one of these people who are anti-Star Wars. I grew up a Star Wars fan. You know what I'm saying? My dad loved Star Wars. I had the little Luke Skywalker lightsaber. I was playing with my dad, you know, the whole nine. My dad, it would come on, you know, television. We would sit down together and watch it, right? So I grew up loving Star Wars. And then, you know, the prequels came out when I was a teenager, when you know when when everybody when they first came out and everybody first heard of it, I was geeked up. I was like, "Yeah, you know, Star Wars. You got you're gonna see how the story really starts." Boom! I was I was with it. And then the prequels happened, and they were so awful. I don't. I'm not even gonna spend time telling you how awful they were because you know I am going to talk about the prequels because I think there is one theme that has gone through the entire. Star Wars kind of uh, universe, including like the Rogue One series, the prequels, the whole nine. And I'll get to that in a second. But, you know, so I was done. After the three prequels, I was like, all right, man, this this ain't for me. This ain't it. You know what I'm saying? I, I kind of just thought maybe I grew out of it, you know? Because, again, the prequels came out when I was a teenager. So, you know, you got a lot of, you know, development, maturing that happens. And, you know, it just wasn't for me, those prequels. So, Life happens. I'm done. I don't even think about Star Wars. And, you know, then I have a little girl. And a few years back, one night, Star Wars is on. And she 
it just kind of, she took to it, you know? It was on television. It wasn't like a big thing that we were watching it. But, you know, you see like the spaceships out of space and light speed and all this stuff, you know, it, it, can, it can grab a child's attention because that's what happened with me when I was a child. And through that, right, through my daughter connecting with the movie, it made me love the movies again. Not the prequels, but the, the first three, right? Episodes four, five, and six. So at that point, I got sucked back in, you know, and my daughter likes it, and we both have lightsabers now, and the whole nine, right? And then The Force Awakens came out. And, you know, I didn't I didn't really enjoy that movie too much, but I got it, right? It was it was a it was a shot for nostalgia. You know what I mean? Like it grabbed those memories. Cause it, it really was just like a new Star Wars, a new hope again. It was just it was the same. I mean, basically the same weapon. Everything about it was the same, essentially, right? So I was like, whatever. I wasn't a big fan of The Force Awakens, but my daughter liked it, and, you know, it was cool. You know what I mean? It was a, re- a reboot. Again, nostalgia. I understand it. But then Rogue One happened, and I was all in for Rogue One. Rogue One, to me, maybe besides Empire Strikes Back, that's like my favorite Star Wars movie ever. And the this is the key. This is what I want to get to. Rogue One was so good. And there was a lot of, you know, the plot was cool. Everything, the story was good. It wasn't like necessarily like, oh, the heroes make it in the end or the heroes win the big fight. All those things play a factor into Rogue One being a really good story. I mean, everybody died. Everybody died in that joint. Again, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Rogue One, they all died. But... The best part of Rogue One, and anyone who has seen it, they know what I'm I'm talking about. Best part of the entire movie is like the last three minutes when Darth Vader flicks off and kills everybody. I mean, no mercy. He terminated all the bombers with extreme prejudice, baby. And it was the best part of the movie. And that's the point. Anytime you have a film like good versus evil, like science fiction, the bad guys, good guys, all that stuff. Any type of movie like that, you have to have a villain that matters, that is worth a damn. You can't have these Batmans all in their film. That's the problem with the prequels. That's the problem with the first two of these uh, newer episode or newer episodes of the Star Wars franchise, okay? Everybody was geeked up for the prequels because we're going to find the story. We're going to learn about how Darth Vader came to be. Anakin Skywalker, the entire, and during the entire original Star Wars movies, right, films. Everybody's talking about how Anakin Skywalker was the greatest Jedi, and he was this, that, and the third. And we find out that Darth Vader was a monster. He was Lord Vader. Everybody talks about Lord Vader. Darth Vader, he's the baddest mother in the world, right? We all understand that. And so then we watch the prequels, how in the hell was Anakin the greatest Skywalker? Or, I'm sorry, Anakin Skywalker the greatest Jedi? He didn't do anything. He got his ass whooped. Every time he fought, he got his ass whooped. He won a race as a boy. The only thing Anakin Skywalker did was kill a village of little nothings because they kidnapped his mom. And then he killed baby Jedis, like children. That's it. Obi-Wan Kenobi kicked his ass, burned the Bama up. He gave him mercy. <laughs> like, that's the only reason he's not dead, because he got mercy. 
the the dude in the, in the Clone Wars, Wars, he kicked his ass, cut his hand, the whole nine. I'm like, bro, you you Anakin. Matter of fact, the rest of the Jedi didn't even mess with Anakin Skywalker. They didn't like him. How was he the best Jedi? How was he the greatest Jedi? He didn't do anything. And he turned into Darth Vader. And the only thing he did when he was Darth Vader was kill children Jedi. That's it. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. So that they dropped the ball on that one. Honestly, they could do, they could reboot the prequels. And as long as they made Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker a monster, people will be down for it. They be, if George Lucas came out, I was like, yo, I really messed up. So I'm a, I'm a scrap, you know, Phantom Menace, Clone Wars, Return of the Sith. We're going to do it all that again. People will be down for it as long as you gave them a villain. Man, think about how messed up this was. Remember Darth Maul in the very first one? Everybody was geeked up. Man, this Bama had red and black face horns. He kicking Bama's with karate kicks and flips and all types of crazy shit. You understand? Everybody was down. Man, he had the lightsaber on both ends. Everybody was down for that. They killed that Bama in the very first episode. They killed that. I'm like, bro, had you played it out, had you showed Darth Maul kill the one dude, Liam Neeson, right? Killed him in the first episode in Phantom Menace and then had Anakin Skywalker kill him. Then you could be like, oh, okay, now I get why Anakin Skywalker is considered the greatest Jedi. Because he was, he killed that Bama. All Anakin did was kill, you know, the, the old Bama, at the beginning of uh, Revenge of the Sith. And he ain't, he like tricked him. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't even like a real kill. Like the Emperor was like, kill him. And he did it. That was it. Like, bro, you don't get credit for that. And that's kind of how we are with the uh, the Force Awakens in The Last Jedi. Right? This Kylo Ren guy, bro, why do you suck? <laughs> this Batman gets his ass kicked every time he fights. The only thing he beats up is his helmet and a wall. That's it. In the first movie, Ray kicked his ass. She ain't even been trained yet, Joe. Slim, how are you the grandson of Darth Vader? You were taught by Luke Skywalker, and you get your ass kicked by somebody who has never trained, and they're supposed to be equals. It ain't like Ray is like Luke's daughter or Palpatine's daughter. She's just a regular person who's got the force. Y'all supposed to be equals, and she kicked your ass, Joe, and you was trained by Luke Skywalker? And everybody keep on talking about Kylo Ren being so strong. Where? How? What's strong about him? The Bama Snoke was kicking his ass. So that's the point. There's no villain that you respect because all the villains get their ass kicked and they get their ass kicked by other villains. Snoke is supposed to be like this supreme leader. You don't ever see Snoke flex on anybody with the exception of Ray for a real quick second in, in the, uh, the Last Jedi. But he dies, <laughs> you feel me? And he doesn't die like in some fight. He dies the same way that we was talking about with the old Bama at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. He dies on some little fluke tricks thing. It's not this big fight because nobody could give it to him. Kylo Ren wanted to. He got his ass whooped again. I mean, he couldn't even kill Luke for real. Luke let him hit him. I'm like, bro, you can't have a movie on with good and evil. I don't care. Maybe you don't like Star Wars, okay? Think of any action sci-fi good versus evil film. If the villain doesn't demand respect, if the villain doesn't 
pose any type of threat. If if there is no respect, right, given to the villain, who? why do you care? You can't build up your heroes if your villains are weak. Terminator 2, I'll talk to you guys about this, man. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, my favorite science fiction movie of all time. Terminator was dope, the first one. Terminator 2 is better because the villain is better. Arnold was better as a hero, but the villain, the bam, the fast bam, the little liquid joint, come on, bro. Come on, Slim. That's where it was at. And that's one of the reasons that movie is so dope. I don't care. The Matrix. What was the name? Mr. Smith? Hello, Mr. Anderson. That Bama, he was, he was a good villain. That's one of the... So I'm not saying the villain is the only thing that matters, but you can't have any movie without a respectable villain where you where they you see the villain get busy at least. Every time Kylo Ren steps on the screen, he about to get his ass kicked. Every single time you see him up, uh-oh, he either going to cry or he's going to get his ass kicked. Or maybe he's going to cry while getting his ass kicked. So you don't care. You don't care what happens with Ray in terms of good versus evil unless she flips because you know she can kick his ass. Think about it. Man, we talked about the Batman films, right? And how I think Jack Nicholson was the best Joker. Whether you agree or disagree, we can all come to the same conclusion that Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger were very good villains, no matter who you think was better. That's why those two are one of the, like those two movies are some of the best superhero movies. You understand? You got a villain that you respect. Man, I I look, man, if you don't like Star Wars, maybe this this doesn't this doesn't, you know, hold any weight to you. But man, I grew up loving these films. My daughter loved these films. I saw that joint on Sunday. I went there with my sister, her man, my and my daughter. And we all, you know, as a family, went to see Star Wars, man. And we all left that joint thinking, that was damn near three hours watching that. Oh, man, that joint sucked for real, bro. That joint sucked. So, Lucas, Disney, whomever, whoever's doing these next ones, man. And that's where Rogue One had it right. Rogue One was like, you know what? We're not going to even create any more villains. We're going to have Vader kill everybody. <laughs> and it worked. There's a reason. There's a reason why Star Wars, A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Rogue One work it's because they had great villains and if you're telling me the only villain that this entire universe where they come up with creatures and the hairy monsters who are 8 feet tall who all they do is bark and all this other stuff but y'all can't come up with a villain other than Vader man just go ahead and stop it then Joe just stop making them cause man a little, a little piece of my childhood died on, on this past Sunday watching 3 hours of that mess that joint was awful bro and I don't care if you liked it. If you liked it, you lame. <laughs> Actually, nah, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be like that. If you liked it, let me know. Let me know where I'm wrong. You know? And maybe I'm grading it on a curve. You know? And that could be it because I had such high hopes. Because, again, Rogue One, it gave me hope. I was like, okay, they got it now. They got it back now. And then here we were. Kylo Ren, emo, crying, getting his ass kicked. But, again... If I'm wrong, let me know. There are plenty of ways to get in contact with me. You can email me. I'm at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, -E -E, report at gmail.com. You can tweet at me, okay, via the show's Twitter handle. That's quarterly show. Again, 
Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. We're on iTunes. You can go to the iTunes podcast directory. See my icon. It's called the quarterly report. Click on it. Subscribe. While you're there, you can rate and review the show and leave me a message. Let the world know. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. Maybe I'm too harsh on Star Wars. Maybe you don't even want to hear Star Wars talk ever in your sports podcast. Or you do like it and you agree with me. Whatever the case may be, let me let the world know your thoughts on the show by rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. And we're now also on Instagram. The page is called Quarterly Report. Again, it's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Report. Follow us on Instagram, man. We got a lot of fun stuff. You'll be able to hear some of the interview with me and B-Jax. I uh, got a Wire NBA mix that I'm super happy, super proud of, man. Comparing some of the best NBA players with your favorite characters from The Wire. If you love the NBA, if you love The Wire, both or just one, you really want to check that stuff out, man. All right, guys. So this is the holiday episode of the Quarterly Report. We are coming to a close. One more show left in 2017. It's been a great year. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed the shows over the past year and enjoyed this one as well. I'll see you next Thursday with another episode of the Quarterly Report.